a single soul Reaching a further and stepping in closer Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Back in high school, um, for English class, I studied Shakespeare for a couple of uh, months, a couple of semesters, and I remember writing an essay on one of uh, you know, his plays, I think it may have been Hamlet, because uh, I, I had to say or write something about love, and I got all inspired, and I wrote this huge paragraph or two on love and God, or the love of God and Jesus, I think, and I was like, so like inspired and I felt so good like oh, I'm like evangelizing in my Shakespeare essay and I was so happy and then I got my essay back and my teacher basically just crossed out the entire section that I wrote uh, about Jesus and the love of God and I felt I remember like oh is this what it feels like to be persecuted for talking about God and Jesus I don't think that was it. Uh, she never mentioned it or talked about it, but um, I think part of it now, thinking back, is that we need to know when and where and how to be effective in winning people for Christ and also to share about the love of Christ. And it's not always to go straight to Christ, which is something we're going to see in today's passage. So let's read and then we'll continue. Acts chapter 24, verses 10 through 23. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or storing up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It was concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Now, Christians are right. We do have the truth, right? Now, but being right isn't always the most important thing. 
Now, is correcting and winning the moral debate the most important thing? I think that's one of the questions that I want us to consider today. As I was preparing for this devotional, I was reminded of a quote that I read a um, long time ago, a couple of years ago, uh, who was actually, that was actually written by a, a Catholic priest, I believe. I, I do not remember his name, unfortunately. But he said, humility is giving up the right to be right. Humility True humility is giving up, surrendering the right to be right, to be correct. Now, as we look, as we look at the way Paul defends himself today, um, it's kind of dry, even unspiritual, you could say, right? But there are two characteristics in the way that he holds himself and that he defends that I think we can learn from in the way that we should deal with the world and also even evangelize to people as well. The first is that Paul holds himself with aplomb and respectability before everyone, right? No matter who he meets. He's quiet, he's calm, he's rational, logical, truthful, and articulate. Right? Uh, now, granted, he has the advantage of being very well educated. He's also, he's probably very smart, right? And he was trained in the law as well. So you can say that, you know, he's prepared for, for this, right? It's like an unfair advantage. They have no idea. These Jewish leaders have no idea what they're going into. Actually, they do because they knew Paul from before. But with his life on the line, with Paul's life on the line, he doesn't let his emotions or desperation hamper his defense. It's not his emotion and uh, desperation that comes to the front. It, he's, he's able to be very calm, rational, and logical before everyone so that no one can fault you know him for being kind of you know lunatic or crazy or just like you know what I mean right he doesn't get worked up and overwhelmed with his arguments he doesn't let that um, taint his argument and his defense about himself but ultimately also of Christ and the gospel the second thing that we can or characteristic that we can learn is the content of what Paul says. Paul addresses all of the allegations made against him one by one in a very clear, rational way without embellishment. He says it as it is and he expects the judge, in this case the governor, to be aware right, that he's making a clear um, judge. Um, defense, uh, which is the exact opposite of Paul's accusers, right? Because they, ask, they stretch the truth, they embellish, and they actually make up things to accuse Paul of. And Paul kind of addresses those kind of characters and say, you know, you should know, you know, already, even without me saying too much, that some of these things are not exactly true because they have no evidence, right? Except for their own mouths. Now, as I mentioned before, even in doing this, this whole episode is a little bit, you know, like unspiritual. It's like a courtroom, courtroom drama. Um, you know, one of our other pastors at uh, our English service, Pastor Wes, he has a degree in law. He is a practitioner. He, you know, he loved this section, I, I think. We talked about it. But, you know, for most people, it's a little bit dry and unspiritual. And there are only a few phrases regarding his faith, regarding uh, Paul's faith and belief in Christ. And that comes out in verses 14 and 15. He says, however... And this one, the first one, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. Right? And then, no, 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 verse 15, and I have the same hope in God that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Now, in fact, Paul doesn't mention Jesus or Christ 
at all, right? How is he even evangelizing? Is the, I thought this was a great spiritual man, right? But from these two characteristics of Paul's defense, we learn, we can learn how to hold ourselves in the world and show that we are in it, but not of it, right? Now, I don't mean that we all need to and should have the best education and be really smart like Paul, right? But uh, we can learn from him uh, in all the things that we do. First, with the content of our speech, Paul was wise in what he said at what times. And it's like my Shakespeare, you know, essay, right? I thought I was being all like spiritual and, you know, I'm going to evangelize my teacher and, and so forth. But there is time and place and a how, right? It's not always directly and straight to the point. Paul spoke sparingly about his faith because this was a court of law. First and foremost, he needed to address the accusers uh, and the allegations. Though he stood trial, um, ultimately because of his beliefs, I believe that he understood that simply going full assault uh, with his faith and about his faith would not be in the best interest of himself and nor the gospel. But Paul, he worked elements and comments about his faith masterfully into his arguments, indirect, indirectly, yet clear and honestly. Because sometimes, even though we know we are right, because we have the truth, we have God uh, on our side, or you know, the truth of God, we sometimes get overly aggressive and even proud in the way that we hold ourselves and talk to non-believers. And centuries of this has bred a, a default attitude of, oh, you're one of them, or you're one of those people, you're a Jesus freak, etc., kind of mentality in a lot of people. We have to remember that Jesus didn't try to win arguments or debates. He showed them the way. He overcame the world and its arguments with the logic and the love of God. He died for us. And that is what we follow. We are reminded that Christ is the ultimate example of giving up the right to be right. Though God came as a man to die on the cross. And so we are redeemed because of him and through him to follow his way, this way, the way to eternal life. So uh, for our application and for this day, let our testimony always be blameless, blameless and pure before all people before everyone. We shouldn't put ourselves in positions where we have to lie or to break the law. We never should have to embellish or exaggerate to protect ourselves, but let our yes be yes and no be no, and the truth be its simple self. And the second thing is patience and gentleness in evangelism. That sometimes we have to give up a little to be more effective in winning people for Christ and to Christ in the long run. And what we may see is that, you know, it may be way more effective in the short run even, not even in the long run as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the example of Paul, uh, this great man of God who had his own ups and downs, his, old his own difficulties uh, and even failures as well, Lord. We thank you for such great saints before us, Lord, um, who have prayed for believers in the future, who have paved the way. And so, Lord, we want to grow uh, and uh, as Paul did in following after you, in seeking after you and uh, even to learn practical ways that we can be your witness and to win people uh, for Christ in the
kingdom of God. We pray that you will use me, that you will use us, Lord, to win people for you. In Jesus' name, name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a further and stepping in closer, see Jesus.